welcome to the Conscious Writing, Living and Leadership podcast, a dynamic inquiry through open dialogue with soul-inspired professionals who share stories of their adventures and practical tips from lived experience of what it takes to make a real difference through showing up authentically and aligning your life and work with who you truly are. I'm your host, Julia McCutcheon. Today, I'm speaking with Mike Dooley about shifting your worldview to become more of who you truly are. Now, Mike is a New York Times bestselling author. He's the writer of the Notes from the Universe, Inspirational Emails. He's a wildly successful entrepreneur and co-founder of the Universe Talks Adventurers Club with over 800,000 members worldwide. He lives what he teaches traveling internationally, speaking on life, dreams, and happiness. I've known Mike for over 20 years, and it's always inspiring to speak with him as he has such a positive and empowering message, which he shares so enthusiastically from the depths of his heart and soul. But he knows only too well how challenging life can be and understands from personal experience what's involved with making conscious choices to transform your situation from stress and struggle to freedom and flow. In our dialogue, we discuss how Mike shifted his worldview from seeing life as hard to embracing it as a playful adventure that transforms problems into opportunities. We discuss the significance of paying attention to where you place your focus to experience the reality that everything has meaning and you're already far more successful than you give yourself credit for. And Mike explains his key maxim, thoughts become things, as the unfolding path from ideas to words and actions that enable you to realize your vision of what's truly important in all areas of your life and work. So let's dive into what it takes to write, live, and lead from the inside out with Mike Dooley. Mike, welcome. Thanks so much for joining me today. Julia, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. So Mike, all of your outstanding success as an author and an entrepreneur has clearly involved a huge amount of work. Yet in our email exchange relating to this dialogue, your response was, yes, I want to play. And playfulness is clearly an integral part of your business and your life. So tell us about your playful approach that delivers such inspiring results. Mm. Well, I think it stems from, quite unfortunately, a worldview, not my view any longer, but a, a common worldview that life is hard, it's a test, we're being judged, random crappy stuff happens to good people for no logical reason, it's just they're in the wrong place at the wrong time, as if the whole world was booby-trapped, as if we really did evolve from amoebas, which I think is preposterous. We have kind of created this notion that life happens to us, denying and shielding from our creative inner witness 
that we are happening to life, that we came first, that we are the reason the sun rises every day, that we are God particles. And, and while I've just implied creationism, let me tell you listeners right away, I, there's not a religious cell in my body. I, I run the other way. But that doesn't mean you can't be deeply spiritual. I think everything in life is spiritual. There's nothing that's not spiritual. And it has all emerged from divine mind, not a God of religion, but certainly, obviously, an organized mind, an intelligence beyond human comprehension. We're here for a reason, for a purpose, and that could only be to blow the lid off this place, have a really good time to fall in love and be loved. And if you look at our lives, this is what we all do all the time. I mean, there's good and beauty everywhere, except when we're thinking we're being tested and we stress out and life's a burden and somebody else asked me to be interviewed. And you know, then we have this really negative, warped mindset. So to get myself out of that kind of thinking, out of the gutter, if you will, and to a place where I can appreciate and celebrate the splendor that will be mine only for a few more years, even if I live to 200, it's nothing in the scope of infinity. We just have a brief time here. So I want to play Julia. I want to adventure. I want to view every so-called problem as a challenge, as an opportunity, as if it was divinely orchestrated for me to rise up and be more than I even thought was possible prior to the challenge showing up. And so my whole vocabulary is about the adventure. It's about the opportunity. It's about the blessing. It's about the gift. And I no longer think that any wonky thing that might happen to me is stray or random. It's by divine choreography, my own, so that I can step up into the light closer than I've ever been before. That's beautiful. Thank you. And I love the way that you have chosen to shift your worldview and bring in this playful mindset that has opened up this whole world of opportunity and possibility for you and through the work that you do for the hundreds of thousands of people that your work actually reaches. Mm. And we will talk in a moment about the core foundation of your work in terms of the maxim, thought becomes things. Mm -hmm. And before we get into that, I would just love to ask you to, to share a little bit more about the conscious or the intentional nature of your own writing, which of course has been so foundational to your success with the notes the universe and your books, and also your life and, and leadership from the perspective of the uh, positive role model that you are inspiring people towards positive change. Well, I'm happy to address all fronts. Where should I begin? Wherever you like. Well, I, I think most fundamental to my worldview. And I have to say, you know, like everyone, you know, I came from limited thinking from the same religious, I was raised a Catholic, every Sunday went to church and catechism and CCD and all confirmation. Um, I came from the same place and uh, that school of hard knocks that we've all been born into. And so I don't just whimsically say, you know, problems are challenges. It, it was through gritting my teeth and stubbing my toes and falling down and having to get back up again and 
cursing life and cursing the magic because it didn't show up in my life when I wanted it to, and cursing God in the universe that got me on this path. And uh, so I, I just want to say it's come with a lot of effort. And to this day, I'm not a person with no challenges. I, I have challenges. I will say fewer than ever before. And I will say that it does get easier and easier. And that the downward spiral that we too often read about or hear about is so rare compared to the upward spiral, which we're all party of uh, to one degree or another. I love to point out to audiences that uh, you know they are far more successful. They are thriving to such a degree that, that they hardly give themselves credit for it. They smile more than they frown. They laugh more than they cry. They have clarity more than they're confused. They have friends more than they're alone. They have health more than they're sick. They have money more than they're broke. And everyone listening right now falls into those categories. Uh, but if we don't see the obvious, and it's not easy when the world is telling us you know, that we're falling apart, that we're getting older, that opportunity only knocks once on a whole bunch of other lies, you know, we start focusing on what we don't have and who we aren't. And I got another problem and somebody else showed up and didn't like this, that, or the other. And you know, suddenly we become blind to the incredible miracles that pervade our every waking moment. So that's a bit of a tangent, but foundationally, where I am coming from and what has been, if you will, my salvation, my hope, my turning point is being rooted in the notion through simple introspection, deductive reasoning, witnessing life in myself, that we are all of God, by God, pure God, that we must be of that intelligence that hung every single star in the night sky. There cannot be a cell in our body that isn't pure, 100% radiant God. I mean, where would non-God stuff come from? And, and to address the argument, well, how do you know it's God and we didn't just, you know, morph out of space dust? It's like, that is the most preposterous notion in the world. It is far more likely, in my opinion, that there is an intelligence that belies the entire physical universe than zero intelligence. I mean, how could there even be a universe? Where would it have come from? And then where would consciousness have come from? I mean, the people who don't believe in divine intelligence, God or the universe, whatever you want to call it, they by default are stating that consciousness must have emerged from a rock or a moat of dust or a a burning fire or, you know, some other crazy thing for which there is zero evidence. Whereas I can ask anybody to look at the grandiosity of planet Earth and the physical cosmos and a drop of ocean water, and you see it filled and teeming with brilliance and balance and purpose and beauty. Uh, and when you get to creatures like human beings, uh, and there are many others besides us, many other creatures, dolphins, and all of the other intelligent sentient beings, uh, where there is love in every corner. We're here to love and be loved, and we're doing that. It's like to think that we haven't proven intelligence when you take all of that into account is, is absurd. And then to argue, well, I think it's space dust or whatever. It's like, well, look, why couldn't there be a little bit of evolution and a little bit of creationism? That's my footing. And when you continue connecting dots, 
after you realize that everything is God, of God, by God, pure God, everything, 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 then you realize that it's all intelligent, that it all has purpose, that there's meaning behind all occurrences. And when you start taking stock of yourself, you start realizing you are powerful. You've made changes. You've changed or dented or scratched the surface of the earth. And the lives that you've impacted, they have gone and affected others. And that ripple will never stop. And it's like so spectacular. And the root of all change you have ever made has come from your focus has come from your thoughts, thoughts that turned into words, thoughts that turned into action. Nevertheless, it all began with thought. Hence, my moniker or whatever we would call it, thoughts become things, the things and events of our lives. I think there could be no fewer words, no more powerful words that tell us where we fit into the equation of reality creation then thoughts become things. Don't like something in your life? Change how you think about it. And you will change not only the people in your life, but the circumstances, the fortunes, the misfortunes. This is the key to everything. Change your mind and you change all else. Now, it doesn't change spontaneously. That's the hook to living in the illusions. But given our divine lineage, our heritage being of God, if we change our thinking, which means change our words, which means change how we behave, where we go, what we do, our perspectives. We need to go on faith, as every holy book will tell you, because there's a lot of beauty, I'm sure, in every holy book. There's also a lot of attempts by men to hijack those religions, but there's a lot of beauty there. Faith, trust, hold on to the vision in your mind, your changed perspectives, your new behavior, even as the world around you isn't changing. Yet, you keep it up, you stay on point, you hold that vision of the new desired end result in your mind, this is just thoughts becoming things, and that new desired end result in your mind will emerge into your life. It always has it always will. And not only can we look at our own lives and our own history for the evidence of this, because it's there. Every day, it's there. For the 10% of your life that you can't figure out why that happened, and you never thought about it in advance, just keep on riding. The pendulum has not yet finished swinging, and it will one day be clear that even that 10% was of your creation. Whereas 90% of your life, you can clearly see that your thoughts preceded your experiences. And then not just your life, but look around, look at the world, look at the people who have succeeded or found happiness or success in any realm that any listener now might want to aspire to find happiness and success. And if they did it, you can do it. And I guarantee you, they're not more spiritual than you. I guarantee you, they're not gooder or more worthy or more deserving than you. They had the audacity or the genius or the naivety or the ignorance to have new end results in spite of appearances, in spite of things not changing in their life, they still kept entertaining that thought. What if I wrote a book that had a thralling, enthralling storyline? What if I wrote a book that sold really well? What if I started a business that served a lot of people? What if I found somebody who loved me as much as I love them? What if I started a family? What if I, what if I, and that's how it happened for them. Yeah. That's the hook. That's the adventure. That's the challenge. 
You've shared such a lot there already, and I just want to pick up on on a few things that you said. The emphasis on God and the divine or source, the universe, whatever words people resonate best with, essentially that's the awareness of something that is greater than ourselves. And I think that awareness of something greater than ourselves gives us a whole different perspective on life. And And it's a really big shift when we realize that there is more to the self, if you like, and then we become uh, more consciously aligned with that something that is greater than ourselves, whatever words we choose to, to use to describe it. So the maxim that thoughts become things, the idea that I'd like to ask you to talk about is the fact that so many of our thoughts tend to be conditioned in terms of what we've been taught, the beliefs that we've grown up with, whether it be from family or culture or education or usually a combination of all of those. There's so much conditioned thought and behavior that goes on in our lives. And yet when we are more consciously engaged with the visioning that you are describing, we are in the process of setting ourselves free from those conditioned patterns and accessing a deeper level within ourselves, deeper than the conditioned mind. And this is where the the conscious intentional aspect of it comes in for me. So Mm -hmm. what would you say in relation to guiding people to recognize those conditioned habitual thoughts and find their way out of them to be free to have those visions that truly resonate at a deep level with who they truly are? Well, programs like yours, Julia, are a great first step because I think the ultimate key to freeing ourselves from old paradigms of thinking that didn't serve us is an immersion into truth. So now you're interviewing me, you've got other people lined up, you've got your own content, I have content, I send out my notes from the universe, I'm constantly reminding people of the truth. And as we are immersed in truth, And what is truth? You know, I totally believe it's absolute. I do not believe truth varies from one person to the next. I don't like the comment that when somebody says everybody has their own truth, it's like baloney. They do not have their own truth. Everybody has their own way to truth. Truth itself, however, is absolute. It's benign. It's very simple. We are of God, by God, pure God. Our thoughts become things. Our words give us wings. We're here for a reason. That reason is love. Beauty is everywhere. dreams come true, done. Those are the truths I'm talking about. Those are the absolutes I'm talking about. And so listeners now, my advice to anybody, and it's been to myself, is to just constantly immerse yourself in truth with authors, teachers, books, videos, video courses online now, they're very common, that bring you back to a place of empowerment. To me, truth is truth. If there's any fuzzy idea and you're wondering, is that really is that really absolute truth? It will either speak of life's beauty or speak of your power and leave no one behind. That's it. That's my litmus test for truth. I mean, are we talking beauty, power, and it applies to everybody, whether or not they accept saviors or whether or not they eat fish on whatever day? It's like, you know, those are exclusionary measures. That's not truth. But if it speaks of life's beauty, if it tells you of your power, if it explains that you have dominion over all things, if it loves you, 
unconditionally. We're probably talking about truth. And be around that. Read it. Underline the paragraphs that empower you. Re-listen to the audio clips that empower you. Do your own journaling and express this beauty because you are of God. And anybody can come up with the deductions and the observations that I've been sharing. That's where they came for me, mostly my own observations of my own life, revealing that we're inclined to succeed. And so, Julia, you know, one of the things I've found in almost 20 years of being a teacher on the nature of reality is that people have this tendency to think that like the cards are stacked against them, you know, and then random bad stuff happens. And like, oh my gosh, and their subconscious mind is dark and spooky and they have invisible limiting self-sabotaging beliefs and they don't even know what they are. And it's like, oh my God, how can anybody, if that was even halfway true, life would be way too scary to succeed in. You know, I would be living uh, as a hermit somewhere and I don't know that I would have survived this long. But the truth is, we are all inclined to succeed. We're built to move forward. We are destined to be happy. This is the nature of the current of every life that you will find your way, that you will be in truth, that you will fall in love, that you will be loved, that you will find your power, that you will exercise your power, that you will remove invisible limiting beliefs. Even if you didn't name them, they will no longer make sense in light of your affirmations, in light of your new behavior, in light of your new successes. So even if you had an invisible limiting belief, they can be uprooted and discarded without naming them. And too often people think they have to name everything that's wrong with them before they can go forward. It's like, no, just go forward. Just act as if you're ready now. Act as if you're deserving now. Act as if the path has been cleared. Because it has been cleared. Have wisely chosen end results. Be immersed in truth. Work with some conscious programming, if you will, like, you know, Louise Hay style affirmations, creative visualization, baby steps in the direction of your dreams, and you'll be, you will become utterly unstoppable. God's not out there saying, oh, you're doing good. Time for a test. There's no test. You passed the test. That's how you got here. You know, we can talk about tests. Everybody knows what that means. Like, you know, I'm being tested by this person or these circumstances are very trying. Okay, we understand what that means. But don't take it so far that you think there's a literal test being administered. Because if random tests were given when you were ready or not ready, that would interfere with thoughts becoming things. You couldn't say, believe in you shall receive without the caveat of as long as there's no test coming. You know, believe in you shall receive, you will conquer, your thoughts become things. As long as there's no test coming, there is no test. It's our confusion and our misunderstandings about ourselves and the nature of reality and what it takes to be loved and how worthy we are that create conflicts and weird circumstances and misunderstood setbacks or misunderstood circumstances that will be called a setback by most people instead of seen as a setup for blasting forward. So it's confusion that creates our test and there's no real test. And that leads to a conversation of not only will you be served by focusing on what you like and what you love and moving towards your dreams with baby steps, but deliberately and consciously consider those areas of your life where you've been frustrated. Is it relationships? Is it career? Is it finances? Is it health? Is it self-love? Uh, you know, and everybody has to fight with self-love. So look, that's okay. Don't label yourself or think that you've got it all wrong. 
but go to those areas where you are troubled and consider through introspection while you're out for a walk or taking a bath or listening to music that's you know easy on the ear and reflect, how else could I view relationships? What am I not seeing? Am I loving myself enough? Am I giving enough room? Am I feeling vulnerable and therefore defensive? Do I need to feel vulnerable? Why? Oh, my heart's been broken before. Does that, that doesn't have to mean your heart's going to be broken again. Go within and find out where the confusion is. And you will then be able to see more clearly and sidestep future brewing storms. Same for finances, same for any other area of where you might feel your life is not unfolding as effortlessly and joyfully as it could be. That's how you know where to look to untangle wires and just start journaling. You know, how am I seeing things? Whereas others in great relationships are seeing it differently? And how might I see what they're seeing? Because the things that trip us up, they're not buried and undetectable or undiscernible in the deep recesses of our mind. They're as plain as the leaf of leaves on a tree. Just we don't go there often enough to our wandering mind. You know, what are you daydreaming about in these areas of your life that are vexing you? And you will be brought to clarity because it is your nature to self-heal, not just your body, but your psyche and your mind and the clarity that you're not having. It's being pressed to you. Go there. You will be astounded. Absolutely. And in your latest book, A Beginner's Guide to the Universe, which you have written and dedicated to your daughter, Rebecca, which is a really delightful sharing of stories and, and lessons on all that you want to pass on to your daughter and, and to all of your readers. You mention about one of your key realizations that ties in with what you're saying now, where you said that you realized that at the core of all fear lies confusion over who we really are, why we're here and what we can do with our lives. And that really stood out for me because I know that with a lot of the soul-inspired professionals that I work with, that although there may be confidence on the surface in many areas of their lives, whenever it comes to crossing a threshold or, or moving into a new arena or even working on a, on a major new project, there's always a component of fear that does need to be acknowledged and, and then released as part of that process to a greater or lesser degree. And I just appreciated what you had realized yourself about fear lying at the core of confusion over who we really are, why we're here, and what we can do with our lives. So all that you've been saying is about addressing that. Exactly. And I think if, if people, and I know they can, just go to that baseline, which intuitively should resonate with everyone, the baseline being that life is beautiful that it is a nonstop banquet, that we are pushed on to greatness, that we are loved and adored without conditions. If they can go to those simple baselines, then anything that crops up in their thinking that contradicts them, there's your confusion. And go to the contradictions to resolve and the fear any and all fear will ultimately be dispelled. And uh, I don't want people to think, however, that if they have fear, that 
they must eliminate it to be successful. It's like, I, I have done almost all that I've done, 17 books, four world tours, and much more, always dancing with fear. So you don't have to banish fear, but life is a lot more fun if you can minimize it and manage it. So no one should feel like, well, I'm confused or I'm uncertain or I'm afraid, so I don't have a green light yet. It's like, you know, everyone is born with a green light. And yes, there's going to be fear and you can mitigate it, manage it by deduction uh, and, and introspection and going to the baselines of love and beauty and power everyone being destined to succeed and to thrive and be happy to carve out any contradictory beliefs. And that will minimize the fear and make things progress far quicker and more smoothly. I love the dance with fear phrase, which is certainly something that I think many of our listeners and myself included uh, will certainly resonate with and, and there's a, a quote that comes to mind. I'm not sure exactly who said it, but it was along the lines of uh, that courage is taking action in spite of fear rather mm. than because of it. So I feel that it's a very empowering message that you have, Mike, and being able to take action in spite of fear and acknowledging that fear does actually come from what we were talking about earlier in relation to all of those conditioned patterns of, of belief rather than from who you truly are. And that's really the message that you're um, putting so clearly is that it's about returning back to that truth and immersing yourself in that truth. And fear is taking you away from truth because it comes from that conditioned part of you about what you should or shouldn't be doing and how you should or shouldn't be living your life. And therefore, when you cross thresholds that step beyond those boundaries, then the fear kicks in because it takes you out of that zone where you've been taught to reside. And so what you said about immersing yourself in truth and getting back to that core is a way to dance with fear. It's allowing it to be present, acknowledging it for what it is and realizing it's not who you are and it's not the baseline, as you say, from which to live your life. Exactly. I love it. <laughs> so what else would you say, in addition to what you shared with us already, uh, that you feel that it takes to live a life of meaning and purpose and to show us who we truly are in all areas of our lives and I'd like to bring this especially now into the arena of work and our professional lives and business. And for people who run their own business and who are self-employed, there's a lot of freedom within that, obviously challenges and, uh, as well, but there's a lot of freedom with that. And then also people who are employed and working within corporations and, and businesses where there are certain uh, rules and regulations. and it can be hard to show up consciously and authentically in all of those situations relating to our work. So what would you say as far as that's concerned? Two thoughts come to mind. One is working on perspective. Very often at the outset of our adventure into truth and self-realization and kind of getting these ideas that I'm sharing, but you know, for the first time, you know, we tend to to want to think, oh, you know, life is supposed to be easy and I'm ready to love everyone and everyone should love me and we're all God particles and I'm going to tiptoe through the tulips and discover my bliss and the universe is going to push me onto greatness and I'm going to live, 
you know, effortlessly forevermore. That's not clear thinking. Um, there's a perspective kind of missing there. We're here to learn and grow. I think every culture and civilization recognizes that even within their religions, that life is about growing. It's not about tests or passing tests, although we can put those handles on it, but it's about new experiences, broadened perspectives, all of which will enable there to be more love and acceptance. And I think the first toes that we step uh, as we go into the world with new a new focus and new lenses on is kind of like, hey, I've woken up. How come you haven't woken up? Hey, I see the love. How come you haven't seen the love? And now all of a sudden you're dealing with a bunch of ignoramuses who are trying to make your life miserable intentionally or unintentionally. And there's this resistance and this fight. And it's like, how come? And I know the universe loves me, so I shouldn't be struggling and I shouldn't be surrounded by these morons with the real baseline there and acceptance of where you're at, you very often will free yourself from anything unpleasant, but it's not spontaneous. So you might have the unpleasant boss or unpleasant work circumstances that really don't fit you like a glove, but what you should be doing with truth at the outset is kind of embracing everything and seeing the good in everything and seeing the possibilities even in so-called setbacks and going to that sucky job you hate for a low hourly rate at the mall, I tell audiences, as an alternative to quitting it and waiting around on the couch with your vision board for Oprah to call. She's not calling. So in the meantime, go to that sucky job you hate, not to learn to love it, but to make the best of it because it's on your plate right now and you put it there and, and there are reasons for it. And some of them, which you may have outgrown, maybe you're right. And if that's the case, as you master what's in front of you, you will be lifted free from that sucky job. Or you may start seeing that job or that partner or that circle of friends or whatever in such a new light with your new found truth that it will become pleasurable. And that which once defined you and kept you in a box is something that you now see as a work in progress and a project that you can learn to love and from which it will morph into the life of your dreams. So perspective is really, really critical. You know, not resisting, going with the flow. It doesn't mean learning to love it. Like, you know, you can still want it to change, but at least you're going to make the best of it while you're there. The change in perspective will increase happiness levels, fulfillment levels, and add to infinite possibilities just down the path in your life. Number one, change perspectives. Work on perspectives. See the good and the silver lining and the possibilities everywhere. And number two is authenticity. Too often in the world during these primitive times when we're worried about how our dream will come true, I call it the cursed house, and we're carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders, and how am I going to figure that out? Not realizing that you don't have to figure it out. You need to just keep showing up with the end result in mind, and the universe figures out the house. But we still mess with the house, and then we mess with the shoulds. Now, maybe it's because of our parents, or pride, or identity, or ego, or whatever, but we don't do what we want to do. We do what we should do. 
And if we do what we should do really well, we'll make the money, get the recognition, and then later on we can do what we want to do. Now, you're generally much better off doing what you want to do now if you know what that is. To any degree, you can. And if you have to have a day job in the interim, have a day job in the interim. That's not copying out. That's just enabling you to responsibly enjoy your evening gig, you know, until it can become your full-time gig. But authenticity inauthenticity arises when we're not honest with ourselves. when we just want to make a buck because we think everything else will work out better once we have money, or we just want to find our soulmate because once we find true love, then everything will work out just fine. Not true, not true. Find your love, make a lot of money, but you're still going to be learning on every front of your life forevermore what you, through what you used to call problems that are now challenges and opportunities. And they do get easier and they even get fun when they show up. You're like, oh, I didn't realize I could be even more amazing, but let me roll up my sleeves now that this issue has shown up in my life. Uh, and then with that attitude, it's easy to overcome. And more and more, you'll practice being authentic, practice being true to yourself, not doing things because it's going to impress other people. You know, I did public accounting with Pricewaterhouse for six years. I sold t-shirts with my mother and brother for 10 years. And when we wound down and liquidated the remaining inventory of our t-shirt gift business, you know, after a very good run, a very good multi, multi, multi-million dollar run, we liquidated. I had enough money to coast for a couple of years. And I remember I was at this crossroads of like, what do I do? And part of me was just scared and I was trying to get an accounting job so that I wouldn't be worried about money and running out of my life savings. And part of me was just so eager. I wanted to dive right into anything because what if nothing showed up? Let me dive in. I had some people offer me a job in the, another t-shirt company. And I remember thinking, you know, it wasn't who you were before. It's not going to be who you are now. You got two years, although there's great uncertainty. Don't just jump into another t-shirt or company that, that doesn't stir your heart. You know, I had the opportunity to reassess and say, you know, who am I really? What is most likely going to resonate with me in an authentic way? And I remember turning down an opportunity that I was sure was going to make those involved very, very wealthy. But doing it because I'd rather find something that was more me and more what I cared about. And that was writing and teaching all about the nature of reality. And there was no good prospects at the time that I would break through and be successful on this path. But it was so much more me. And I always look back at that as kind of a very pivotal time where I chose authenticity for the first time in my career over almost all other times. And it paid off really well. And the wealth that was to be made in that other business never was made, which is beside the point. But it was made on the path that I chose to be authentic on. And I think, you know, everybody knows who they are at a deep level and what resonates with them at a deep level. And when you have an opportunity to choose authentically versus inauthentically, no matter what other people think, always go with authenticity. I couldn't agree more, Mike. Absolutely. And, and I think what you said earlier about being truly honest with ourselves 
and going back to another point that you made about inner reflection and journaling, that stream of consciousness writing, to get to the core of what it means to be truly authentic for us as individuals. And I think that many people are caught up on the the fast pace of life and it's really important to slow down enough to take the time and space for that inner reflection to be able to be honest with ourselves and find out what that really means because being authentic is an individual truth. I mean, for me, it's very much about showing up as who you truly are, but then it's a question of, okay, we need to take the time and space to look within and find out who we truly are in order to be able to show up authentically. So I think that's a really important point and it underlies everything uh, relating to this conscious approach uh, that I teach to writing, living and leadership that we are talking about. So thank you very much for making that point. Oh, thank you for the chance. Oh, well, as we draw to a close, Mike, tell us what's next for you? What are you inspired by for the next chapter of your life? Oh, well, uh, well, there will be more books, but right now I'm taking a break. There are 17 and I've been at this 19 years. So it's like, oh my gosh, how <laughs> I, I can't even believe it. I can't even believe that there's been that many books, but I'm taking a break. I'm going to continue to take people on exotic trips twice a year, continue to host Solapalooza once a year, continue to write and send out notes from the universe every day. Uh, we're about to launch a membership, uh, Infinite Possibilities membership, which has not uh, been revealed yet. Uh, and that's a few weeks away. So I'm very excited that I'll be able to kind of be uh, a mastermind guide for those who want to participate and get juiced up every single week. More of the same, basically, uh, loving my life, my wife, and my daughter. Fantastic. Mike, thank you so much for all that you have shared with us today. I really appreciate it. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you, and I wish you well with all that's coming up for you, and I'll look forward to connecting with you again sometime soon. Oh, thank you so much, Julia. Always awesome to catch up with you. It's been, how long now have we known each other? 20 years, I think. Yes, it has been more than 20 years. So it's a, a delightful point of reconnection. Thank you, universe, for my amazing friends. Find out more about Mike Dooley at www.tut.com. That's T-U-T dot com. Coming up on the Conscious Writing, Living and Leadership podcast, we have Lynn Franks, OBE, thought leader, successful author, and businesswoman specializing in women's empowerment and leadership. Robert Holden, best-selling author and broadcaster, whose work with positive psychology and spirituality have been featured on The Oprah Winfrey Show and in two major BBC documentaries. And Derek Draper, former political lobbyist, now a successful psychotherapist, leadership coach, and author, who emphasizes the importance of creating space for business and leadership success. If you'd like to expand your inquiry on the topics we're discussing here on the podcast, head over to juliamccutcheoncom podcast 
and click on any of the gold Listen Here links, which will take you to the individual pages for each episode. On the right-hand side, you'll see the Deep Dive free download box, where you'll access additional content, including tips to apply what you learn, episode transcripts to read, and insightful questions to reflect on. Enjoy exploring this conscious path of mastery and flow. And thanks for listening. This is Julia McCutcheon signing off and wishing you a joyful experience of making the difference you're here to make through showing up authentically and aligning your life and work with who you truly are.